Hello, this is Fiona from IELTS with Fiona. Hope you're doing okay. Today's uh, blog or lesson or podcast is all about how to choose a good online IELTS course. It's a little bit weird and it took me quite a while to write the whole blog because I was doing quite a lot of research. And if you look at my previous blog, part one, that kind of tells you about things to avoid, like all the dodgy marketing tactics. So that's the kind of negative side. But this one is the more positive side. This is kind of the questions that you should be asking before you join any kind of course, really. Um, as I told you in my previous blog, I've bought tons of online IELTS courses. So I've made so many mistakes that I really feel I know next time what questions I'm going to ask. I was in a, a Zoom meeting the other day in a, a group that I thought was quite a nice friendly group and I might be able to get a chance to ask a few questions. But I'm a huge introvert. I, I know it's hard to imagine because I'm online quite a lot, but I'm a massive introvert in a group of people I can't speak. And the person in the Zoom meeting said, has anybody got any questions? And she, and she actually said, Fiona, do you have any? And I said, oh, yes, but I'll wait until the end. Thanks. I tend to do that. I don't know if you do that. Let other people go first. It's really stupid. I can't stop it. But anyway, we got to the end and I sat there completely frustrated all the way through it. And of course, at the end, she completely forgot to ask me. And I know that's my fault. I know I should have spoken up and I should have been more assertive, but I'm just not that type of person. And I just realized that that group probably wasn't for me. Yet another one. <laughs> So I'm really, really choosy about what groups I pay for. And I'm hoping to kind of um, share my advice through this blog. There may be things that you don't agree with. I think it's quite a controversial blog. And go and have a look on the website. It's, it's there if you want to see it. Um, yeah, you might disagree with some of it. And that's fine. And there might be things that I've missed that I've completely forgotten to mention. So please get in touch if there's anything that's not clear. And the final thing is, when you're choosing a course, um, it's impossible to know what other people's courses are like. So I can only talk about my own. I know what mine is like. I know exactly what's in it and the reason I've chosen things. So I know I'm slightly biased and it might look like I'm saying that mine is the perfect IELTS course. Well, I think it is for certain people. But when you see the checklist, you can go and download it and you might decide that it's not the best for you. And if it's not, that that's fine. There's horses, horses for courses is the expression. Horses for courses. Yeah, it's a weird expression. It means, you know, there's something to suit everybody and everybody suits, everybody's different and suits different things. So this is simply a guide to help you, just to guide you so that you don't make uh, a, a big mistake when you choose your course. I've divided it into about five sections. So the five things are um, questions about the quality of the course and the course provider. Questions about the 
quality of the content, you know, what's actually in it, what you get and in what form. Um, number three is the course structure. How is it organised and so on. Uh, number four is about the community, the people that you can interact with during the course and number five is about how much kind of coaching you get how much individual attention how many questions can you ask the teacher and number six is about the accessibility this is quite an important issue is how easy is it to access and I'll come to that later seven is the red flags they're just a quick review of the previous the part one um, the danger signs that you should look out for. And the last one, possibly the important, most important one, is the unique selling points. What makes this course different from everybody else's? Why should you choose this course? Um, not mine, I mean any course. What makes it better than any of the rest? So, um, you know that when you're preparing for IELTS, you can either choose to study by yourself and use free resources like YouTube and Google and these things called MOOCs, or you can buy a book, you can buy a course, or you can get a course with a tutor. There's lots of options, or you can just get a tutor, or you can do go the whole hog and go to a private language school um, in the country where you want to uh, work or study or or live in, and that's the most expensive option. The the cheapest option is the the free the MOOCs. I have done some research, and they've got about a one percent finish rate. And why? Because there's no incentive to finish it. It's free. Um, there's nobody there really helping you. Um, you you have to manage by yourself. And of course, we all know that this is totally possible. I get messages all the time from people saying that they um, learnt everything through my website. Absolutely fine. But um, you might want to choose a more structured course with more support as it tends to help you get there quicker. Tends to, not always, but that's the, that's the aim. So the first one, let's have a look at course quality and here are some questions that you need to ask your course provider or, or teacher. So the first thing is who created the course and its material. So you know anybody can create a course especially these days um, but are they teaching the right thing? Are they doing it in a pedagogically sound way? So, for example, has the teacher got a qualification? Now, in the UK, you start with a basic qualification. It's called a CELTA. That's just a four-week course. Um, maybe you haven't had any teaching practice. Then you've got the DELTA or the diploma, which means you've had two years teaching practice. And then you've got the MA and maybe higher but I think as a minimum, the Delta is, is the one that is recommended um, because it's kind of proof that you've had actual live experience and you've had your, um, your experience. It, it has been kind of questioned and observed and it's just a higher level than the certificate, which is a kind of a survival course. Um, 
it's not enough really to just have a teaching qualification. You you do need to specialise in IELTS because, as we know, it's a really weird test. And a teacher who's using IELTS day in, day out, looking at the readings, the listenings with their students and seeing what problems are coming up and the tricks and the distractors. It's, it's a very different way of teaching. And you, you do need somebody who, who knows that test inside out. Even um, next thing about experience of being an examiner, because again, it's not enough really to just know um, what what's inside the test. You You need to know what the examiners expect from you. Um, and that can, you know, people argue about this all the time on online about what's what's a band seven, what's a band eight, whatever. Um, and, you know, examiners are trained very specifically and, and carefully. So I don't think anybody, just anybody can, can do that. Um, ask about their teaching methodology. Um, there's lots of different ways of teaching English and IELTS specifically, but I would avoid anything which looks like mm, English with fun and laughter. I can't imagine IELTS being taught with fun and laughter. It's just too serious a subject. I mean, you can try and make it interesting, but fun and laughter is probably not the best methodology for teaching IELTS. You can disagree if you want. <laughs> um, Try to establish how long the course or the school has been running. The difference here, again, is since COVID, everybody's gone online and they, they've rushed to get their courses online. Um, and this is another course I bought the other day where somebody had done this and all of their videos were just awful. They were just one man talking into a screen for about an hour Um just the face talking at you with no slides, um, no worksheets, just repetition and talking at you rather than trying to help you take action. So a lot of people, I think, have done this and, and thought that they can just quickly record a Zoom video or or take the Zoom class that they used with their students and then expect people to watch it and benefit from it. It's, it simply doesn't work like that. There's a technique to creating videos. I'm not saying I'm I'm the best in, in that way. When I started, I didn't know what I was doing five years ago. I was using slides, but I tended to be more talking rather than getting students to take action as they were watching. Well, I've completely remade all of my videos now because I've learned a lot more about what it takes to make an effective video. Um, my videos at the start were about 20 minutes long. Now they're all bite size, uh, three to five minutes long um, and, and they're interactive. So th throughout the videos, you're thinking, you're questioning, you're testing yourself um, before you see the answer. So there is skill and time involved and time more than skill maybe. Um, I edit all my videos so that you don't have to listen to anything that's not necessary, that's not going to help you. It, it's all carefully edited, so it, it minimizes the amount of time it takes for you to work through them. Of course, I do share, when we do the live sessions, 
and you miss them. They're absolutely, they're shared and, and slightly edited. But if you're learning about IELTS or learning about grammar, you don't want to listen to somebody talking and talking like I'm doing now um, without uh, <laughs> a specific goal in mind um, for each learning point. And those learning points need to be clear and, and achievable um, in each lesson. Um, so the other things you can check is how how that teacher teaches online. So you have to, in some way, respect and enjoy the way or understand or click with that teacher because you're going to be spending a lot of time with them and you need to be able to enjoy the way they present things, um, possibly the way they speak. Um, you don't mind listening to them, wh whatever makes it easier for you to learn. And one way to do that is simply to go to their YouTube channel if they have one or maybe their website and just check out the way they teach um, you could ask for a demo lesson or, or trial, possibly, and just to see if, if you like that style. Another way to find out about how good a course is, is, of course, the reviews. Now, the trouble with reviews is, like any normal person, you're not going to put negative reviews on your website. You're only going to put the positive ones. So, of course, there'll be hundreds of positive reviews. I, I've got them on, on Google. You can see them. Um, fortunately, no negative ones. But on, on the website, the teacher can choose what they want to put there. And and the course I bought recently, I was given strict instructions on what to write in the review. They asked me to make a video uh, to review the course and they asked me to include all of these things. And they gave me an incentive, like a 30-minute um interview with the um the course trainer if i did this video review well you know there's a huge incentive to say something positive so yeah reviews are great but i wouldn't really use that as the basis of choosing a course um check the teacher's social media presence it kind of shows that they're active they're um they're make they're creative they're making things and especially if they're on linkedin which is a serious professional uh, social media platform and you're more likely to find a serious professional teacher there you might need to know how big the classes are um the course i just did it it was a huge webinar well it was a facebook live group so the teacher with just the face would talk and talk and talk in the Facebook Live. Everybody was watching. You couldn't really interact. And for me, it wasn't a very pleasant experience. So just double check what exactly those live lessons involve. Are they sitting and watching and listening? Or is it a Zoom meeting, for example, where you've got... Um, small numbers of people and you get a chance to practice your speaking um, more easily and you get more individual personalized feedback. So that is the difference between a Zoom meeting where 
obviously you can show your face you can um ask questions in the chat or 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 live if you see what i mean whereas webinars the you can't you can't interact you just listen so just try and find out about class size and how much attention you'll get the second one on my list is all about course content so question to ask is what does the course consist of every course is so different um it's hard to compare them i i understand that but a few things to check are about the videos as we mentioned are they edited and scripted videos not just replays of zoom sessions they're just the most ineffective way of learning do you get printable material so Another course I did, it was all videos and there was nothing to download or save. You, you had to take notes and hope for the best. If you, you know, if you got confused or you wanted to go back, um, you, you couldn't. So I, I quickly cancelled that one. So things like PDFs, worksheets, checklists, model answers, grammar ex exercises that you can download and keep which in my academy you can because you can't download the videos. I'll come back to that later. Um, check that the materials have an interactive element so you're not just passively, again, passively watching and passively listening. Interactive materials, for example, could be quizzes, um, flashcard things like quizlets. I use a lot things like word wall and flippity they're all these kind of online games that just make the materials um more interesting um you know click and drag onto pictures stuff like that um you can check out something I, i've got quite a similar one on on my website where you you watch the video and it stops and asks you a question and you interact with it Think, things like that just to bring the materials alive um, are there any study skills materials? So it's not just about learning short term um, and learning uh, a limited amount. It's, it, it should encourage you to become a motivated self-learner. So things like in the academy, for example, we've got a lot of learning tools that we use quite regularly together. Um, so in, instead of the, the teacher being the person, the kind of all-knowing with all the answers, I encourage you to find ways of, of discovering answers for yourself and working things out for yourself. Why? Because it's more memorable that way. It, it sticks it's, and it's actually more interesting. Um, are there any revision um, and extension materials? So what can the students do once they've done something so for example in my listening boot camp at the moment we're going through we're creating a whole new set of um listening practice materials but we're examining the language from the tape script so um for for example um there was a, somebody describing a recipe i think and we listened, we listened for the linking words and then we did a practice activity with the linking words. So something which takes you beyond um, the very basic testing materials and helps you to exploit those materials to build your long-term 
language learning skills. Um, mock tests, of course, you, I know you can get those online, but they're quite useful when they're integrated into the lesson. So you're not doing them randomly, you're, you're doing them purposefully. Uh, live lessons. This is a huge element. I know students find the live lessons one of the most engaging things. Um, and, and of course, it's motivating. Um, so just find out uh, what kind of uh, live lessons are available, how often, how can you attend, are there replays, things like that. Um, feedback also really important. So we have speaking live lessons and we have recorded speaking um, opportunities to get uh, pronunciation feedback and then like how much writing feedback can you get. Um, check things like when people say unlimited writing and speaking, check what does that mean um, does that mean 24-7? What does that mean? Just anything that is not clear. And I, I welcome any questions that you have for me about that too. Um, peer review. Recently, I read an article. Peer review means getting other people to look at each other's work. I know some people don't like that, but it's been proven. Research has shown that it's one of the best um, ways of learning is, is learning from others and seeing other people's writing and speaking and hearing the teacher um, helping other people obviously helps you learn because you're you're looking at maybe 20 people's um, improvement tips instead of just your own. So that's that's a huge element of the Members Academy. Um, is there a private community where you can chat um, in a more relaxed way, share experiences, wins and goals, ask questions, share links, things like that? And how much access do you get to the teacher um, not only in the private community, but also when you need help. Um, and then finally, with the course content, um, check how often you get new lessons. Um, you know, is the teacher creating new stuff or are you just limited to what's already there in, in terms of the recorded lessons? Check how long you can access the materials. So normally, if you buy a course, this is without the teacher, you have lifetime access to that. If you know me, you'll know I'm not fond of just courses because, um, <laughs> again, they tend to sit on your computer unused because there's no incentive for you to finish them. Whereas if you've got a membership, it's like going to the gym. You're, you're paying for access to that membership and um, it makes you want to use it. Um, there's a kind of deadline in place. It's not never ending. It, it, it gives you an incentive to try and finish that before your membership runs out. It, it just makes people a bit more accountable. Um, you know, when you do job plans at work, they, they have to be SMART. SMART is an acronym. Um, and the S-M-A-R-T 
the T stands for time bound. You have to put a deadline on it. You have to say, by this date, I will have done this. And that's exactly how a membership works, because it forces you to get things done. Um, we have weekly deadlines. So you have to submit before that deadline. And that, again, is another incentive to make you take action. But do double check. With mine, you can't download the videos, um, but you can download the materials. So you still have access to them. Um, now then, what about the course structure? Um, everything these days is free on Google. So why would you buy a course? Well, a course has been put together very carefully for you with a very clear structure so that it covers everything you need to do and helps you progress at the right pace. So you, you start wherever you need to start um, and then challenge yourself depending on that course structure. So thing to ask, all of my courses are 28 days. They're called 28 days because they encourage you to do like a 10 minute lesson every day. You can do extensions if you want. You can do more if you want. But um, they are structured so that the first week is basics. Second week is more difficult. Obviously, third week is kind of more band seven and fourth week is more band eight. So um, you come in where you need to be. So, you know, if you're new to IELTS, I would start on day one. Um, if you've taken it before, you could start later. So it, it is very, very carefully planned. And you might want to ask if there is any kind of individual learning plan included. We have something called a progress tracker where you can see all of the lessons that you need to do and you, you work through it depending on how confident you feel um, with, with each of those um, modules um, and lessons. Check that you can, well, it's up to you, but some courses, you, you they are dripped little by little. So they can be quite frustrating, I think, because you have to finish one thing before you can move on. But you might find the first week too easy, so you want to go faster. So check that you can work at your own pace, which you can in the Members Academy. Even though they're all structured, you can move as fast or as slowly as you want to. Um, and you get access to all of the materials when you join. So it's again, it's not dripped. You, you get everything straight away because then you can just do as much as you want to. Check then that the materials cater for different levels, as we just talked about, but also learn different learning styles. So you want to get the learning materials in multiple formats, not just videos, um, not just uh, grammar exercises. You want a mixture to appeal to, you know, different ways of learning. So, you know, things like you might want a video, but you might also want the slides to go with it. You might want some worksheets to do your own practice. You might want some kind of gamification quizzes on the site rather than the worksheets. You, you might think images um, are a easier way of remembering things. Um, so 
the course should have a, a, a variety of ways of accessing um, the material so that it's more memorable and it's you can recycle it in that way. Make sure that the materials are IELTS related. Um, I was having a quick Google the other day for some question tags and um, I saw, I, I'm sure it was the British Council website, they were practicing question tags and they were practicing sentences like this. Snow is white, isn't it? You know, completely useless, meaningless language examples that simply won't help you in the IELTS test. You need things to be IELTS related. So if you're learning conditionals, for example, then you might as well learn sentences that you could use in the IELTS test, which, you know, use the conditional rather than um, if I could be any animal, what would I be? That is completely useless to you. Learn language as you will need it. And that's the final point in this section. Are the materials pedagogically sound? Pedagogically sound is really important. Are they designed um, with sound research behind them? So one of my students told me that that her tutor told her to improve her reading skills just by reading aloud. Probably the worst way to improve your reading skills. The tutor made her read aloud IELTS texts in front of the class. So obviously make sure that the methodology and the methods that your teacher is using are, um, are proven and effective. So point number four is all about the course community. Um, some people prefer to study alone. Some people are motivated by having other people in the group. I think that's really important. So we've got a nice course community. Um, so the questions you should be asking are, can you easily connect with other learners? Can you easily connect with the teacher? Um, maybe what platform they use to chat, that's important to some people. And how active is the community? So if you've got questions, is somebody there to help you? Or I don't know, how long do you have to wait? Things like that, if they're important to you. Um, Point five is about access to the tutor. They're kind of connected, the community, so the tutor should always be active in the community. And, you know, are you able to ask questions to the tutor? Can you get regular writing feedback? How detailed, how often, or, or speaking feedback? Anything that you can request? So if there's a something, a lesson that you need or want, will the tutor make it for you or just show you where to find it things like that related to coaching i'm sure i could add a few more things um the number six is about accessibility um becoming more and more important that whatever format the course is in that you can access it um we mentioned before that materials should be in multiple formats because sometimes you just don't have time to watch a video and the information should be available to you in, in different forms. So slides or PDFs, for example, um, you should be able to get the tape scripts of the listening 
and maybe an area where you can comment on the lesson um, and, and ask a question in that way. So in the academy, we have a, like a private blog and each lesson that we do, if any questions come up, we create a, a separate new lesson from that and people can comment uh, with questions at the end. Some, something like that, ideally, that you can get some response, the teacher can get feedback from your questions. Um, it's really important about where the videos are hosted. Um, I, I don't put mine on YouTube because mine aren't publicly available, they're private, but I choose to pay quite a lot for Vimeo because it offers other advantages. So you can easily bookmark um, places in the video so that students can see like a menu of what's in the video and they can go back and find it more easily. They don't have to watch the whole thing all the way through. And things like, you know, being able to speed up the video or, or slow down as much as you want and not being bothered by adverts or um, recommended other videos when you don't want the students to be distracted. The important thing of being in a membership is that you're focusing just on those materials. You're not being directed anywhere else. Um, number seven is the red flags, but these all relate to my previous blog. Um, the things I really don't like and listed a few people I recommend in this blog. If you scroll to the bottom, you might be surprised by the people I don't recommend. And the reason mainly is I, I can't comment on their course, but I can comment on the way that they try to sell it. And I really don't like it at all. I don't like the way they treat their students. Um, I don't like the fake discounts, the scare tactics. It's a kind of bullying that I see in in their marketing. You might not be aware of this as a customer, but I'm very, very sensitive to it as a teacher. So I don't like any company that tries to put pressure on you to join and seem to spend more money on marketing than they do on their course. But that's my personal opinion. I wouldn't trust anybody using those kind of dodgy sales tactics. So finally, number eight is about what's unique about the seller. Why, what makes them stand out? This could be lots of things, as we mentioned before. It could be you just like their style. You like the way they present information. You like the way they treat their students. They interact with their students. Or you that might not be important to you. You might just want to... Uh, a cheap course. You know, McDonald's has a unique selling points. It's cheap <laughs> and tasty, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm vegetarian. But, you know, you get the plastic toy, which goes straight to landfill. For some people, those are unique selling points and the reason why you might choose McDonald's over something more expensive. It's horses for courses. It works for some people. So you might want to ask the provider, what makes you different? Why should I choose your course? What, what will I get from your course that I won't get from the others? Remember to check for positives and negatives. So there could be some additional benefits that you get from some memberships like Oh, in a members academy, you get these kind of access to other learning tools with a premium access rather than just the free version. Um, try to find out if there are anything 
if there are any extra expenses or charges. So I trialed one the other day and it, it said unlimited writing and you could do unlimited writing. But as soon as you wanted to ask a question, they sent you to a, a private you had to pay $79 extra to get a one-to-one tutor when all you wanted was a quick question. So so double-check those extra charges, which might make the course end up costing a lot more than you anticipated. So there might be a very cheap entry fee, um, but you find that you have to buy a lot more things. Like I mentioned in my other blog that I had to do, I thought I was buying everything included, but every time she introduced a new lesson, there was an extra charge or an extra charge for a webinar. So double check about, you know, what are the positive benefits that might be included and the extra charges that might be included. So, I think that's it. I might think of a few other things as they come up. Um, actually, something came up today and I, I, one of my kind of ex-students, but friends as well, he's called Alim Shan. He's an IELTS teacher. He's an amazing teacher. He got 8.5 in the IELTS test and it made me suddenly remember how you get these sites that say, oh, we have only native speakers. Well, that doesn't mean anything at all. Doesn't mean just native speakers are better because they can speak their own language. That's really not something that should attract you. Um, so I'm I'm really against this discrimination against non-native teachers. So any course saying native speakers only, I I a matter of principle, I I would not choose that kind of course. I don't really see the benefit of native speakers only. In fact, non-native speakers have often learnt, you know, English in a way that is going to be hugely beneficial to learners. So, um, yeah, that's something that came up today. And if there's anything I've missed, please, please just do get in touch or anything you disagree with. It could be the way I've expressed something. Um, in the article that you feel is, I don't know, unfair or maybe it's just a one-sided viewpoint. I'd love to see um, the other point of view. I've said I might be biased. I'm writing it from my viewpoint and because I know what's in my academy, but I, I'm always open to be corrected um, and I would yeah, be grateful if you could leave a comment, positive or negative, everything will be um, welcomed by me. So I hope you get a chance to go and have a look at that blog. It's on my website, ieltsetc.com, and you can sign up and get a free checklist, which um, you can download, and it'll just help you look at courses in a more uh, rational, uh, objective way, hopefully. So thanks for listening today. We'll chat soon, I hope. Bye for now. Bye-bye.